0: What we're reading this morning is Genesis chapter 22, um, verses 1 to 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Maria, and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through their offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Amen.
1: Hi, good morning everyone. Um, I'm Nathaniel, I'm the vicar at St. Margaret's. Um, We're going to hear some testimonies about the Lord, our provider. We're looking through this term, um, the names of God. And today it's uh, what some would say, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Um, We're going to hear from Pam and from Roy, then I'm going to share a little bit from that passage. That's quite a passage. Some people call that one of the, the texts of terror because... It's The story's so awful, um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about um, how actually behind an awful story is the most tremendous story of grace, beauty, and love, and forgiveness, and holiness. Um, but I'm going to share testimony first before uh, Pam, you'll be next, and then Roy. <laughs> Thanks, Pam. Um, so uh, I think you probably remember those who have been... Here for a few months, Uh, my boot when I broke my foot. (laughs) So, um, was uh, I? I tell you that story because it it reflects directly on this name of God, the Lord our Provider, or you could say it differently: the Lord our Enough. Is is He our? Is He enough for us? Um, So I was on a run, um, and uh, lots of things in my life were going wrong. (laughs) It felt felt a little bit like. Lots of the things that were meaningful in my life were like sand that were like just going through my hands, and I couldn't catch hold of them as much as I was trying. And things were beyond my control. And when things are out of your control, you don't have agency over stuff. That's really challenging, isn't it? That's kind of a definition of suffering. Um, and uh, I was on a run. I, I was listening to One Flow Over the Cuckoo's Nest. If you've ever <laughs> read that book, a bit random. But I was quite angry. It was like an angry run. I was going to run. Fast and hard. <laughs> um, and I was going to try and run for, I think, 13 miles. So that's eight miles in, as in around the Wolverhampton area. And I'd re- received a message from Sharon Bavington. Do you know Sharon? From, like, no, this is, um, a, a minister in Bradford. And um, she said, Nathaniel, you've just been on my heart all day and I've been praying for you. Uh, what can I pray for? And it was weird because I had messages after message of people saying that to me in that over probably a period of five months in a way that I'd never had before. Like, the Lord's, I've had a dream about you. And, and so I felt really seen by God actually. And she said, uh, is it possible for you just to have a really good break? I just sense you're tired. And um, I was think, looking at my phone, I was like, well, on my watch and this message, I think, well, you yeah, know, I'm kind of having a break now, but, um, uh, but maybe I could think about having some time off at some point. Um, and then I car went past full headlight beams not their fault it was dark i was dazzled missed a pothole and landed in the pothole didn't actually fall over but broke my foot and immediately um just flopped into the verge thinking my foot's broken how hilarious that sharon babington just sent a message why don't you have a good break i think well i think it's it's goodly broken (laughs) and uh, i tried to walk i just couldn't it was just like you know your body just says no Um, uh, And I lay there in the ditch, both kind of mixed emotions, laughing at the weirdness of that message and then what had just happened within five minutes of receiving it. And I was really angry, really angry, um, lying in the ditch because, and I remember praying, like, just really, I didn't blame God for the pothole, and yet you could have illuminated it. <laughs> or oh, oh, lifted me up so I do not dash my foot against the stone. I was, ang- I was angry with God. And I, I said, what do you-? I was saying, what do you want? What do you want? Because every- you're taking everything from me. And obviously, it's not him, but that's what I was praying. Um, I remember saying, do you want all of my meaning to be in you? And I remember saying, I don't, I don't want that. And um, so I, was at, I suppose I was asking the question, like, I, will you provide for me? And is it, do you want me to think you are completely enough and I, I don't even need running? Because actually I remember thinking, this is the only thing I've got, <laughs> like, running. And now I can't do that. And uh, you know, just before Pam comes up, I, I don't want to go into all the details, but over the last seven, eight months, through great personal challenge. I'm pretty sure confidently, not just by faith, but by experience, I can say that the Lord, he has been Jehovah Jireh. He has been the Lord, my provider, but also our family's provider. Um, And I think I can say, without thinking it's not entirely true, that he has been enough. Um... That he has been our enough. And so whenever someone shares a testimony and you hear, and you, you'll, you'll be going, many of us will be going through seasons of suffering and difficulty. If you hear someone else say, I have found through suffering that the Lord has been my enough or my provider, then you can say, well, if it could be true for Nathaniel, it could, it could be true for me as this daughter or a son of the high king of heaven. Um, so whenever I hear a story that I like, I think, that could be true for me too. Come on, God. <laughs> um, Pam, would you go and share? Uh, what Pam's about to share is just the most fabulous story. I've heard it a number of times from uh, David and Pam. I, yeah, I've got... A real soft spot for David. I think David knows that. (laughs) Me and David did the um, commemorations for the Queen together uh, and a lot of them were just me and him (laughs) because I got carried away. Turns out this isn't a royalist stronghold. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Um, And uh, I was late one day and um, I think uh, David was a bit, I could tell he was just a bit fed up. (laughs) having waited for me. And he leaned in and he said, "Um, Nathaniel, I was like, "Yes." Uh, Pam and I, we've decided to donate something to you. I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay." We'd learn, and I was wearing ripped jeans. He's like, "We'd like to donate you a patch." <laughs> 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 Pam, come and share. <laughs> no, I'm still waiting. <laughs>
2: I didn't know he donated one
1: to you. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder where it was. <laughs>
2: Um, most of you will know here that um, my husband, David, had a, a serious accident. It's 20 years ago now. Uh, and some of you were actually here worshipping at St. Margaret's when it happened. Um, well, at, at the time, David had been self-employed for 14 years. He, he, he'd been an organ builder, piano tuner, uh, when he left school, but he decided to go self-employed. Um, I wasn't working, um, I was doing David's books at home, and our two youngest children, Ruth and Johnny, uh, Ruth was 17, Ruth, Johnny was 11, were still living at home when David had his accident, and he he fell off our house roof um, when he was sealing uh, round our little dormer window. Um, Uh, the air ambulance came and landed on the grass in front of the Cliff Garden flats and took him off to hospital. And I I couldn't go with him because the air ambulance in those days didn't have enough room for a passenger. So just the the casualty had to go. So uh, the the outcome was that he was in hospital for four and a half months altogether, three and a half in LGI and and a month in St Luke's. Well, God started providing straight away because how was I going to get to LGI? Um, I I didn't drive, um, but John and Sue Grice had seen the, who lived not far away, had seen the air ambulance coming and John was offering straight away to take me into hospital. But b- being self employed, uh, David being self employed, sick pay wasn't very good. I don't know if it's any different now, but it wasn't in those days. It wasn't good for somebody who was self employed. And applying for benefits anyway takes time. Um, you apply and then you have to wait for it to come through. Uh, we had enough money for about two weeks. But it wasn't long after the accident before gifts started, gifts of money started coming in. A lot was given anonymously, there were envelopes with money in pushed through our letterbox. So a lot of it, I don't know who gave it or where it came from and we had far more than we needed. Mm. Um, There was a lot of love in those gifts Mm. Um, and some some people carried on giving on a regular basis for one or two years after the accident. And another thing that happened was that, I mean, St Margaret's was wonderfully supportive. Um, people offered me lifts to take me to hospital every day. And then St Margaret's bought me a travel pass that would last me a month. I could go either by train or, or bus into LGI. And then after that, when that ran out, St Paul's Church, Shipley, gave me a pass for three months. Because uh, I discovered traveling by bus worked best so they gave me a pass that lasted me three months and it, it ran out it ran out the week that David was discharged mm. As some of you know Sam Sega. he organized for people to bring us meals right back at the beginning so I didn't have to worry about cooking a meal every day because mm. I was going to hospital and coming back and the, there was a lot to do in an evening phone calls um, forms to fill in housework to catch up on. So when David was first admitted to LGI, he was put in an induced coma, um, and he was on the sedation for 10 days, but it, it took weeks for that sedation to wear off. So he was completely unaware of all this provision that was going on at the time. Um, and at the time of our, at the accident, our eldest daughter, Kim, was almost due to have her second baby. Um, The baby was to be born by cesarean because she has a genetic type of diabetes and the baby was big. So we knew she would be in hospital for a while after the birth of the baby as well. But God provided um, for that too because our second eldest daughter Sharon was still living in Dundee after finishing her degree there Um, and she was working for a a well-known supermarket chain. I, can't, I don't think I'm supposed to advertise, so I won't say who it was. And she, she came down on the day of the accident with her boyfriend in his car. They went to LGI and saw David and came back and stayed a couple of days, but then she had to go back. But when her employers um, found out how serious our situation was, they said they would pay for a hire car for her for two weeks, so that she could come down and help us out, and that she could, the hours she would miss working, she she could make them up later, so she would carry on getting her pay. We had to pay for the petrol, but because so much money was being given, that just wasn't a problem at all. And the timing was just so right, because um, she was here when Kim had her baby girl. And she was able to take me to visit Kim in the hospital on an evening. She did all the running around and shopping, and it was a tremendous help, and it was just so good for Ruth and Johnny to have her around at that time. At the time of the accident, it didn't look like David would survive, but he has made a far better recovery than anyone ever expected. Much prayer was made on his behalf and on our behalf. and But continuing his recovery at home um, took several years. It, it took time. It took several years, really. And there was a lot of adjusting to do because after brain injury, the, the survivor is, is different. And they've got to adjust to the fact that they're not like they used to be. And those who are close to them have to adjust to that too and it's it's not an easy process but but god was with us and we have come through and we have i feel we have adjusted there are still times when there are surprises and things don't work out just how you expect but god has been with us and he has he's wonderfully provided for us through all this because in the in the most difficult times we haven't had to worry about money. It's all, it's all been there and I know for a lot of people when they go through difficult times, they're worrying about money. We didn't have that because God provided so wonderfully. The, before David's accident, there, there were often times when we were down to our last penny and God always provided. but the way he provided uh, over David uh, over the time of David's accident was was something different. It was far more extravagant, um, abundant than anything we'd experienced before, and it, I think it's just a picture of how abundant God's grace is towards us. There's always more than we expect or need. Thank you,
1: Pam. Let's give Pam a clap. Yeah. <clears throat> I could just hear that story again and again and again. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. So the, um, the story of Abraham and Sarah, I'll tell it really briefly to remind us. Some of us will be familiar, some not. So uh, his name is Abram and Sarai. Abraham means father. And he is uh, from Ur of the Chaldeans, He's a, a wandering nomad. And God calls him and asks him to leave his father's country, his father's I think his dad's called—is it Us—and um, he leaves his father's country and travels to where the Lord says. And the Lord blesses him and appears to him and shares. There's a number of covenants or promises that God makes with Abraham. And one of the first things he does is he changes his name from Father to the Father of many nations, Abraham. And uh, and Abraham's already old when this is shared, so it seems ridiculous. And yet, that is what God says. Um, and they travel throughout the land, and there's, uh, it's an amazing story. They tr- travel through Egypt, and God uh, continues to bless them uh, financially. You know, the, the Lord is their provider. And um, their small nation grows, uh, but not through their own children, but through uh, servants and through uh, livestock. Um, in Genesis 15, there's this amazing story. It's Uh, God meets with Abraham and he declares his promise again, I'm going to bless you and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Um, And he says, I I want to enter into a promise with you, another covenant. And um, there's a phrase in the Old Testament, cutting a covenant. And where that comes from is directly from this passage where uh, two warring tribes might cut a covenant together and what they would do is um, take animals and cut them in half. Uh, and that's what, in Genesis 15, that's the story. Um, I think there's a cow and various animals and birds. And they're cut directly in half and laid along the ground as if in a path. And then what, to, to cut the covenant, what the two tri- tribal leaders would do <coughs> is they would hold hands and walk through. They're quite gruesome, but the, that, it was a gruesome time. And walk through these animals that have been cut in half as if to say, uh, if we break the terms of this peace agreement between the two of us, let the one who breaks it become like these animals, torn in half and ripped in pieces. Uh, and um, the Bible says is that uh, something very unusual happens. So Abraham is probably uh, expecting to walk through this alone. Um, God is going to demand that Abraham uh, holds this promise, and if he breaks it, uh, uh, then he'll be torn into pieces. But instead, it says that Abraham falls into a deep stupor, like a kind of like kind of like a sleep, but he can still see. And a fire from heaven—the same word that is used um, from the pillar of of fire that led leads the Hebrews through the wilderness—it says it, it comes from heaven. And it passes through the pieces on the ground. And it is as if God is saying, I am holding the terms of this covenant on myself alone. That if this covenant, uh, if, if Abraham, you and your people fail to keep my laws and commands, I, God, will bear the penalty. I will be ripped in pieces. Completely unusual, unusual, unexpected and impossible to imagine, impossible even for us to imagine now and even more difficult for um, Abraham to imagine. And the story goes on. on. In the next chapter it says, Abraham is 99 (laughs) and is still without children. Uh, And some angels come to visit Abraham and Sarah and one of the messages that they share with them is to Sarah is that when we come again next year, you'll have a baby. And Sarah laughs um, because uh, it's impossible. And it's not like, it's not a hearty laugh. It's like a sarcastic, cynical laugh. And, and it's this really wooden kind of humorous part of the Bible. The angel said, um, why did you laugh? And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And the angel says, you did laugh. <laughs> and then, um, and sure enough, uh, they do conceive. And they give birth to Isaac, and Isaac means laughter. is is their joy. It means laughter. And then, uh, in the middle of this story, we're gonna we're gonna hear next week about the story of Hagar and Ishmael, which is another amazing, harrowing story, actually, another text of terror, wherein there is grace. And so, come back <laughs> next week to hear that. Um, and then we have this this story where God says to Abraham, take your son, take your son, your laughter, your joy, and take him to the region of Moriah, to a mountain, and um, sacrifice him there for me. It says he tests him. It's so confusing, and actually I'm not, I can't, um, I can't explain away this passage. I can't say, and this is why it all makes sense. Um, it's just a, it's a really horrible and difficult story to understand And yet, um, I think that passage that I shared earlier about the cutting of a covenant is crucial to understanding uh, Genesis 22. Because um, you you may be familiar with with all of this, but uh, Abraham takes Isaac to the region of Mount Moriah. That's Jerusalem, what would become called Jerusalem, and may well be the exact same place as Golgotha, the place of the skull. And... uh, Isaac is the, the only son, the promised son of Abraham, and he's called laughter. And Jesus, the son of God, we sang a few weeks ago the Charles Wesley hymn. And it got me, bang, right in the gut. Uh, love divine, all love excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Jesus is the joy of heaven. He's the laughter of heaven Jesus is, is laughter. There's an amazing part in Luke's gospel where he sends out the 72 and they come back and they say, even the demons submitted to us and people were healed in your name. And it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, laughed. And it says, praise you, Father, that you have revealed this, not to the mighty, but to these little ones. He is joy. He is the joy of heaven. And just like Isaac, he is like an Isaac God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever might believe in him might not not die but have eternal life. And it says that as Isaac is walking up the hill, um, Abraham places the wood on his back. And just as Jesus walks up the mountain, he carries the cross um, on his back. And then there's the question, who will provide the lamb? God will provide the lamb And all of those passages in the New Testament, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or in Revelation, "Behold, look, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. That when God tested Abraham, he had in mind his son dying out of love and in battle for humanity under oppression from the powers of evil. And... uh, And that story, it can sound like God the Father punishing the Son, but that's a misunderstanding of the Trinity, not one that I can completely help you understand today. Uh, That on the cross, it's God in Christ that uh, just as these pieces of, of animals they walk through says, if this covenant is broken, I, God, will bear the punishment. I'll be ripped apart for you. And God in Christ, the lamb, the ram caught in the thicket, in the top of the mountain of Moriah, uh, it's him who bears the suffering. Jesus, the laughter of heaven, the joy of heaven. And so, when we might think about how is the Lord our provider, got these amazing stories of how the Lord has provided through situations, and yet, the greatest way For the Christian to think about the Lord our provider is to look to Jesus on the cross, the eyes, the new Isaac, the laughter and the joy of heaven, willingly laying down his life for us, fighting against powers of evil and that kept humanity under their thumb, to liberate us from. It's like a new exodus, liberate us from a greater pharaoh, a, a greater slavery, a slavery that kept us in bondage. He, he, he frees us on the cross. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, and that is the greatest way in which he has provided for us, provided our rescue. There's a verse that I want to finish on and meditate on. Um, perhaps if the band could get up. Um, it's from Romans 8:32, And it actually references, I didn't even realize when I chose it today, it directly references this passage. Um, verse 16, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as sand on the seashore. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Uh, Romans 8.32. How could he who did not spare his own son but freely gave himself for us, not graciously give us all things? So let, let's stand together. I'm going to read that. To, okay, let's stand. Um, and If you feel comfortable, put your hand over your heart. And it's just, there'll be loads of things that you're, you're thinking, Lord, would you provide for me in this? Would you be my provider? And it's so easy to doubt his goodness, his faithfulness and kindness. And I believe the Lord this morning asks us to look to the cross and ask the question, as we, as we imagine the suffering of the new Isaac, the laughter, the joy of heaven to earth come down, look to him and say, how Could he, who didn't spare his son, but freely gave himself for us, not freely give us all things? The cross is the greatest reminder that he is the Lord, our enough, our provider. Lord Jesus, there'll be many of us Desperate for you to provide for us in various ways. And I pray, by your Holy Spirit now, as we sing these worship songs, you'd move amongst us, and we would know that because you have given yourselves, how, how could we doubt that you would not freely give us all things? Come, Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Amen.